Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Barefoot Church. Um, interesting morning. It's sort of overcast here. And so we're here in front of this, this huge sign. Uh, usually, those are about this big. This one's a little bit larger, as some of you have noticed. And notice it says, uh, believe, believe. And that's part of what we're going to work on today, uh, is what is this belief? What is it that we are to be aware of that our eyes have seen or our ears have heard that registers uh, with our understanding, uh, with our heart? Uh, welcome again, everyone. Welcome again. Uh, Joanne, uh, when she was first showing some symptoms um, of, of everything that was going on, um, she, she had a, a time when she said she went to heaven. And so we were talking with her about that. And what she wanted us to know was there is a battle going on with the king of darkness. There was a battle going on with the king of darkness. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit this morning. Um, so, so hold on, because the first part of this is really tough. Uh, what the first part deals with is God's wrath, God's judgment. Now, realize that our understanding of God has to do with our love of him, our praise, our joy, our worship of God. And, and as a believer, as a believer, this doesn't pertain to us. What I'm going to be covering initially, the very first part, doesn't pertain to us. We are a believer. And because of Jesus in our lives, because of our belief, our following, being a follower of Jesus, a believer of Jesus, uh, because of us understanding what resurrection is, what his death means for us, uh, means for us um, it doesn't pertain to us. And the reason it doesn't is because Jesus fulfilled all the requirements. Jesus washes us clean that we no longer have that held against us. So what this pertains to, or who this pertains to, is, is a group of people who deny God. Uh, a group of people are those people who uh, make fun of God, mock God. But those people who are persecuting, who are against, who are trying to do damage to anyone who is a believer. Those people who persecute, those people who talk down or mock or make fun of, those people who push Christians aside. And, and I need to, to specify that, that in the word, God is one who loved us so much that he gave his only son, only begotten son. And, and as a believer, we know that to be true. As a non-believer, uh, no, no. And so as a non-believer, we open ourselves to God's promise of judgment, judgment. Judgment means that here is this person, <clears throat> are they a believer, are they one who believes my son, says the father, or are they one who does not? It's as simple as that. Now, as a person, I can't call that. You know, some people ask, well, do you think they went to heaven, uh, or do you think they went to hell? I don't know. That's not my call. That's God's. That's the Father's call. And so, sometimes we have to make decisions, <clears throat> but those decisions are not about somebody else. Those decisions are about us. What is it that we are going to, who is it we're going to believe, who, who, what kind of action, what kind of doing am I going to do? Is it, is it in, in favor and uplifting the word of God? Or is it something that is against, away from the word of God? 
or, or those, those ways that I, I present, is it something that uplifts, that, that encourages other believers, or is it something that pushes other believers aside? So we're looking at the judgment of God, that promise from God that he is the one who is the judge. He is the one who will determine what will happen to those people who are believers. He is the one who will determine what happens to those people who are not believers, and indeed who persecute or against the believer. And so it, it's sort of interesting because we're, we're in that time of seeing a lot of this stuff happen. And, and so to begin with, I want to start with um, Revelation. Now, I start with Revelation because Revelation is a writing of, of John. Uh, John was on an island. Uh, John was seeing visions and having uh, things explained to him. And, and some of the things that John saw, he was instructed not to write about. But don't write about this. There were other things that John saw that he wrote about very clearly uh, in, in, uh, in the book of Revelation. So let's look at a couple places in the book of Revelation that John wrote that, that is for us to understand. Uh, another interesting thing that happens in Revelation is we have what's called the sevens. Um, there's a part of Revelation that deals with seven seals. The, the seals on, on the scroll are the seals that, that held something solid, the seven seals. We also have in Revelation that which is called the seven trumpets. And some of those we looked at um, a couple weeks ago. The seven trumpets or the seven horns, the seven sounds of the horn. And, and today we're going to look at what's called the seven bowls, a bowl of seven. Uh, seven times. And so let's turn to uh, to uh, Revelation uh, chapter 16. Now, um, hold on, because perhaps you are familiar with this, uh, and perhaps you're not. If you're not, you're, you're going to hear some things that, that are rather um, revealing. And, and this is usually um, given as something you don't want this to happen to you. Well, I don't want to present it that way. I want to present this as this is God's wrath. This is God's judgment against those people who are persecuting Christians, those people who are making fun of God, those people who don't believe in Jesus Christ. So here we go. Uh, Revelation 16. I heard a shout of command from the temple to the seven angels. So we have seven angels, and here comes a shout. Here comes a voice from the temple. And that voice says, begin. And it's similar to uh, drivers, start your engines. Or on your mark, get set, go. And, and this, this wording here is a voice coming out of the temple, the, the house of God, so to speak, that is loud and is a shout, begin. And the, the, the address is to the seven angels. So here we go. Begin. Pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel, the first angel stepped up and poured his bowl out on the earth. Loathsome, stinking sores erupted on all who had taken the mark of the beast and worshiped the image. And again, this is directed toward the non-believer. This is directed toward those who do not believe in Jesus Christ, who have not accepted Christ, who are making fun of, mocking, persecuting. And so the first angel empties out his bowl, and what happens is the bodies of all those people uh, get sores. They, they break out with extremely stinky, uh, painful sores, uh, ulcers or whatever. 
but they break out with their skin uh, of sores. And, and these are directed toward the people who have, quote, taken the mark of the beast. These are directed toward people who have worshipped the image of the beast. So they're not worshipping God. They're not praising God. They don't believe in Jesus Christ. Instead, they believe in what Revelation, what John describes as the beast, uh, anti against God. And then the next one, the second angel. The second angel poured out his bowl. And it went to the sea. So the second angel takes his bowl and, 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 bowl, and dumps it into the sea. The sea coagulated into blood, and everything in the sea died. Third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and the springs. The waters turned to blood. I heard the angel of waters say. Now, the first bowl, remember, was on people, the sores. Second bowl was on the sea, turned to coagulated blood and everything, and the sea died. And the third now is springs and rivers and waters. And, and so the rivers and the springs and waters turn to blood. But this angel, angel number three, has something to say. And what angel three says is, righteous you are, speaking to God, the Father. Righteous you are. In other words, God, you're the one who's righteous. You're the one who rightwises this thing, who sees, who knows, and you're the one who's righteous. Your judgments, your judgments, speaking to the Father, your judgments, God, are righteous. They're right. They're, they're, they're right-wising. They're exactly right. God, you're the one who judges. You're the one who is righteous. You make good decisions. You make good judgments. You call things like they are, and your judgments are right. And then the third angel says, the is, the was, the holy. Now, some other translations have a different, you know, the, the, the one who is, the one who was, the one who will be. That's not what the Greek says. What the Greek says is, the one who is, the one who was, so the one who presently is, the one who was, that one is holy, is holy. And then the angel continues. They poured out the blood of saints and prophets. In other words, in the past, prophets have been slaughtered. In the past, the unbelievers, the ones who are anti-God, have killed saints and prophets. Saints, you and me, prophets, the ones who speak the word of God. And so you've given them blood to drink. In other words, God, you saw what happened in the past. And now you're giving them blood. You're turning the sea to blood, killing everything. You're turning the river springs and waters to blood. God, you've given them blood to drink because they took blood that they should not have. They have gotten, and this is angel number three, they, the ones who are, are now being cursed, so to speak, they have gotten what they deserve. Not because we gave it, not because of our will, but because that's what God promised. He is the judge, and he judges righteously. He judges correctly. He's right in his decisions. And they've gotten what they deserve. And then John writes, and then I heard the altar chime in. In other words, not only was the angel speaking these things, but even the very being of sacrifice, the very being of the meeting place of God, the temple, speaks out. And the altar says, yes, O God, you are sovereign strong. Your judgments are true and just. So here we have now the, the very um, place of sacrifice. Jesus became the sacrifice for us. The very place of sacrifice is saying, yep, uh, God, you're the one who's strong. You're the one who's sovereign over all things, all the universe, all creation, everything. You're sovereign. 
and your judgments are true. Your judgments, God, are just. There is no playing around. Your judgments are right. Your judgments are right on. Now, the fourth angel poured his bowl on the sun. So the fourth angel now pours his bowl on the sun. Fire blazed from the sun and scorched the men and women. Burned and blistered, they cursed God's name. The God behind these disasters. They refused to repent, refused to honor God. So God now has had the four bowls, and the fourth bowl is the sun that caused blistering and pain and burn on the people who were still there. And they cursed. They cursed God. They refused to repent. They refused to honor God. So now we have the fourth bowl, and yet people are saying, I still don't believe in you. And, and cursed God's name. And then we come to the fifth angel. The fifth angel poured his bowl onto the throne of the beast. So now we have the fifth angel taking his bowl, and the beast who's in charge of the world, the beast who demands all these people pay attention to him and not to God. Now, the fifth angel pours his bowl on the throne of the beast, the one who is, quote, the king of darkness, the one who is, quote, the, the, the king of the present time. So the fifth angel pours the bowl on the throne of the beast. His kingdom, that is the beast's kingdom, fell into sudden darkness. And so we have now the fifth bowl being poured and the kingdom of the beast, the one who is ruling, the one who is the anti, is now in darkness. Now in darkness. Mad with pain. Men and women bit and chewed their tongues, mad with pain, crazy with pain, absolutely driven and driven insane with pain. They cursed the God of heaven. They cursed him because of their torment and of their sores. And they refused to repent. They refused to change their ways. So even here now at the time of judgment with the seven bowls, we have people who are given a chance and they refuse to change. Now, by this time, the believers are gone. The believers are off the earth. The believers have now been evacuated, taken away. So who's left are those people who are denying God, who are anti-God, who are against God, who won't believe at all. And now we've seen this both with four and five. They refuse to repent. They refuse to honor God. They refuse to change their ways. So that's the fifth angel pouring the bowl on the throne of the beast. And it turns to darkness. Now, the sixth angel poured his bowl on the great Euphrates River. The river dried up to nothing. The dry riverbed became a fine roadbed. So that the river now is a road for kings from the east. In other words, the invaders are going to come in now and invade. The ones who are want to take the land, who want to do damage, now have a road to follow the Euphrates. They came right in through the Euphrates. The dry riverbed became a fine road for the kings from the east. From the mouths of the dragon, from the mouth of the beast, from the mouth of the false prophet, I saw three foul demons crawl out. So the, the, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet, okay, that, that's, that's part of the story here that the that John is seeing in the vision, um, three frogs crawl out, three foul demons who look like frogs crawl out of each mouth. These are the demon spirits performing their signs. 
Thereafter, the kings of the whole world to get them together for battle on the great day of God, the sovereign strong. So the purpose of the, the demons coming out of the three mouths is to bring all the kings of the world in one place and attack. Say, kings from everywhere, kings who are left, all you kings, all you ones, with your armies and your, your leadership and your strength, come, let's get God. Let's get the Christians. Let's get the believers. Let's get God and get rid of him once and for all. And that is the, the sixth angel who dries up the river, make it a road for all the kings who want to destroy. And the demons then come out of the mouth, the mouth of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And they encourage the kings, the armies, the military of the world to gather together in one place. Then we can do battle with the, uh, we as darkness can do battle with the great day of God. We as, as, as the ones who are called forth by the demons can do battle with the darkness against the sovereign strong. And then 15, verse 15, and, and again, now John is hearing this voice speak out. Uh, John has seen the, the six uh, angels so far and the six bowls dumped. And, and now John hears a voice say him, saying to him, uh, keep watch. In other words, look, John, watch, watch, watch. I come unannounced like a thief. And we've heard uh, that spoken to us before in other parts of the New Testament. I come like a thief. And the, the voice continues, you are blessed if you are awake and dressed. Uh, you're ready for me. Too bad if you're found running around through the streets naked and ashamed. Now, this is understood as Jesus speaking to John. And the wording here is, if you are awake and clothed, in other words, you have already believed in Jesus Christ. Your eyes are open, you see what's going on. You are awake in Jesus Christ and you are clothed. Because there is no shame that's hidden, you have confessed. You, there is no hiddenness in your life because you've already been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And so what the image is here, that we as Christians, as followers, as believers, are awake. There's nothing for us to hide. God knows us. We have surrendered everything to him. It's those who have not surrendered, who think they are clothed, that God will strip naked. It is those who are hiding and still denying the presence of God, the presence of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, who then will be ashamed, who will be ridiculed and face God and recognize uh, we're naked. We're completely naked in God's sight. We need to be ashamed. We have failed. And, and this, this now is, is the wording coming uh, be, be, be aware that unannounced, I'm going to come. Be aware, unannounced, I am going to be there. And those of you who are believers are going to have be awake and, and fully clothed. You're protected already. Those of you who are not believers will be shamed. You will be exposed for what you are. The dirt that you have will be exposed. Everything you've been hiding will suddenly be revealed. And then um, verse 16. Now, the frog demons, remember the frog demons? The frog demons are busy gathering all the kings of the earth. They're gathering all the kings and the warriors together in one place. And that one place is called Armageddon. Armageddon. 
So the frog demons are saying, come on, kings, come on, warriors, get over here to Armageddon. We're, we're going to gather together. We're going to be powerful. And, and then the seventh angel, the last angel, poured out his bowl into the air. So the, the seventh angel doesn't pour in the waters or the rivers or the springs or in the ocean, doesn't pour on the sun, doesn't pour on the people. The, the seventh angel pours their bowl into the air. Now, from the throne of the temple, came a shout. Remember the shout began, you know, start your engines. Now we have the shout done. In other words, um, the race is finished. The, 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 the finish line has now been met. Um, it's over. The, the winner and, and the loser and, and it's over. It's done. And as soon as the voice speaks out of the temple, it's done or it's finished. Where do you hear that term, by the way? It is finished. Oh, that's right. Jesus on the cross, it is finished. Oh, as soon as that is said, in John's vision in Revelation of the seventh angel, that word is followed by lightning flashes and shouts and screams, thunder crashes, and a colossal earthquake. An earthquake so huge and so devastating, never has been an earthquake like this since time began. Now listen to the severity of this earthquake. The great city is split in three ways. All the cities and the nations are tumbled to the ground. So notice no city uh, is, remains. They're all, they're all flattened to the ground because of the earthquake. The great Babylon had to drink the wine of God's raging anger. In other words, here is a city that has um, captured, who has destroyed, who believes in other gods, who's tried to take over and rule, that one will face God's rage. And it's likened into this vision that John has as to drinking the wine of God's anger. And God even provided the cup for him to drink from. Every island fled. In other words, the islands in the sea all disappeared. There are no islands left in the sea. They fled. And not a mountain was to be found. So the mountains that we, we see around, they're flattened because of the earthquake. Islands disappear in the sea. Mountains disappear in the flatness because of the earthquake so great. And then, get this one, hailstones weighing a ton are plummeting to the earth. They're crushing and smashing men and women as they curse God for the hail, this epic disaster of hail. Now, now the, the, it's interesting because the Greek here uh, calls it a talent. Now, now the writer here in, in this one calls it a ton because the, the, the effect he wants to get is recognize that these are hailstones that are enormous. Now, if you want to get technical, the, the actual weight of the hailstone that's coming down is 110 pounds. But imagine that, 110-pound hailstone coming down um, on people on animals, on the earth. Um, and again, this is judgment of God upon the inhabitants of the earth who are non-believers, who deny, who attack, who mock, who make fun of God the Father. And so we end the crushing and smashing of men and women as they curse God for the hail and as they curse God for the epic disasters that are occurring. Now, isn't that an interesting story? It's part of John's vision in Revelation. It's part of John's vision 
that he's seen here on the island that he's written down. This one he's permitted to tell us about. That there's going to be judgment that is severe. Now, you can do this literal as much as you want, or you can do it as spiritual or as representation of other things as much as you want. I, I know, I go both ways, either way, neither way. But the point is here, God's judgment is promised and will be severe. God's judgment depends upon, are you a believer or not a believer? Now, I want to I work on this a little bit. Let's go to a place in John. Uh, remember, Revelation is written by John. And I want to go to the, the, the book of John now, the Gospel of John. And we'll go to uh, John chapter 12. John um, 12. And uh, we'll start with, with 31. Now, uh, realize that when we talk about a couple of these words, um, that you'll hear, we're talking about um, a ruler. We're talking about a chief in charge. We're talking about the one who is in command. And so John 12, 31 goes like this. Jesus said, now this is Jesus talking. So, so that, that don't, don't forget who's talking. Jesus is saying this. Um, and he says, Jesus, at this moment, the world is in crisis. Jesus says, at this moment, the world is in crisis. Now, interesting wording here. The, the word world used here does not mean the earth, the good earth, the, the, the created earth that God did. The world here refers to those evil ones, those wicked, those who are subverting the message of the gospel, those who are making mock, those who are making fun, those who are who have broken away from God who are on their own, they think they're on their own. Those who have turned toward other gods, those who are totally against Christians, those who believe in Jesus Christ, who want to destroy them, wipe them off the face of the earth. And Jesus's comment is, the world, the world is in crisis. And then he writes, John writes about Jesus, and Jesus is saying, Jesus says, now Satan is the ruler of this world, and he will be thrown out. Question, who's the ruler of the world? Satan. Who's the one who brings the wickedness and the evil and the disbelief? Satan. And Jesus says, at this moment, the world is in crisis. Now Satan, the ruler of this world, commander of this world, the commander of all this evil, the, the one who's leading, who's directing all this wickedness, Satan, he will be thrown out. Jesus says, and I, Jesus, I, I will be lifted up from the earth, and I will attract everyone to me, and I will gather everyone around me. So Jesus makes the offer and, and the, the catch here is, with free will, we have to accept that offer. We have to accept, Jesus, you've been lifted up, referring to the death and on the cross and the resurrection. Jesus lifted up, spoke in his name, just told people about him, lifted up, bring Jesus to the awareness, bring Jesus to the front. As I be lifted up, says Jesus, 
I will attract people to me. They have to respond, but they will notice. They have to say, oh, yes, he's the one. Jesus is the one I want to be with, that I want to follow, that I want to accept as Savior in my life. And Jesus says, and I will gather them around me. Remember the body of Christ? As believers, we gather together, focused on Jesus, focused on Jesus as ecclesia, as followers, as believers. And he put it this way, Jesus put it this way, so that people would understand what is life, what is death, and what is resurrection means in our life. And this is John, John 12, starting with verse 31. Now, another place that becomes interesting is John 12 again, and a few verses down, uh, starting with verse 35. Um, Jesus, again is speaking, Jesus says, for a brief time, so Jesus is telling those around, for, for a little bit of time, yet for some time, uh, the light is among you. Jesus refers to himself as the light. So for a while yet, the light's among you. I want you to walk by the light so that darkness does not destroy you. And remember the darkness that we, we saw happen with the one angel with the bowls? Uh, that darkness continues. It's not, not a, not a you know, sunlight darkness. It's a darkness of deeds. It's a darkness of thinking, a darkness of faith, a darkness of belief, a darkness. And Jesus says, I don't want the darkness to destroy you. We heard in Revelation what that destruction is for those people who stay in darkness. Jesus says, I want you to walk by the light so the darkness doesn't destroy you. Because if you walk in darkness, says Jesus, you don't know where you're going. You have no idea what's ahead for you. You really, really don't want to do that. You don't know where you're going. And Jesus says, as you have the light, in other words, as you believe in Jesus, as you change your life, as you accept the light, as you live in the light, as you believe in the light, then the light will be within you. Then I, Jesus, the light, will be within you. And the light will be shining through your lives in all ways. You will be children of light. So Jesus says, don't, 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 don't uh, put on being light. Um, because darkness, you have no idea what's ahead. Hint, hint. But I want you to live in the light, accept the light, shine the light from your life because you have changed. You have been one of my sons, one of my daughters. You have accepted. You have been changed and now you are children of light. So John's word to us is, be, be children of light. Don't be in darkness. Be light. Recognize I am the light. And I want you to be light, the children of light. Shine out for all others to see. Shine out in what you're speaking, what you're saying. Shine out in your behavior. Shine out in all the things you do, all the things you display. Shine. And that's John 12. Now, another place... Um, is in Acts. And Acts, remember, is written by uh, Dr. Luke, um, and he, he writes it to follow the Gospel of Luke. So, uh, Acts 26. So, we'll go, down, go down to uh, Acts and in chapter 26, starting with about uh, 17. Acts 26, 17. And it goes like this. Um, 
I'm sending you off to open your eyes, but I'm sending you off more importantly to open the eyes of others who you meet so that they can see. So Jesus says, okay, our eyes have been opened and I want you to go and help other people, their eyes to be open so that their eyes, instead of being closed, can see. And he continues, I'm sending you out with your open eyes so that you can open the eyes of others. They can see the difference. So with eyes open, we can see the difference between what? Between Satan and God. Again, um, this is Jesus speaking to Paul on the road to Damascus. I'm going to open your eyes so that you can see, so that you can tell other people, open your eyes so that they can see the difference between Satan and God. Can you get any more clear? Can it be clearer for you? The objective is that we have open eyes to see the difference, Satan, the difference, God. To help others understand difference, Satan, God. This is God. This is Satan. Know the difference. This is God. This is Satan. Know the difference. And then it continues. And open your eyes. With your eyes open, I want you to have others have their eyes opened so that they can choose light. They can choose light. And they can tell the difference between darkness and light. What is the objective of having our eyes open? Satan and God versus, or darkness and light. The objective to have someone else have their lights, their, their eyes open, is to tell the difference, this is darkness, this is light. This is death and, and uh, judgment. This is life and everlasting life in the presence of God. And it can't be too much clearer. Um, darkness, light, Satan, God. And again, this is, this is Luke writing in Acts. Uh, so then I want others to see the difference between dark and night. Uh, I, I want uh, others to choose light, uh, choose, teach others to choose the light, uh, teach others to choose God, make sure they choose God. So Jesus continues talking. I'm sending you off to present my offer of sins forgiven. So Jesus's word to us is I send you out that others might know about sins forgiven, that I forgive sins. I make sure that people are, have confessed that they are totally exposed, nothing else is hidden, that their eyes are open, that they can see clearly the difference between Satan and God, see clearly the difference between darkness and light. I want them to choose light. I want them to choose God. I want them to understand sins forgiven. And I want them to understand what the place in family is. I want them to understand what it is to be part of the body of Christ. I want people to understand what it is to be family of God. And I want you to go and invite people into the company of fellow believers. I want you to go and invite people into what is the real living, what it is to believe in me. And these are all words of Jesus to Paul on the road to Damascus. These are words of Jesus to Paul 
but they're also words of Jesus to us as believers. What is our objective? Get eyes open. What is our objective? To help people understand Satan, God, darkness, light, death, everlasting life, real living, real living, the forgiveness of sin, the possibility of saying, Lord, I make a decision for light. Lord, I make a decision for life. Lord, I make a decision for God, for you, for real living, real life, everlasting. Now, another place that occurs is in uh, Ephesians. Now, we, we heard what Jesus told Paul on the road. Now, let's see what Paul writes. Paul writes this letter to the church at Ephesus, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 10. A very interesting writing here. Uh, it begins like this. Um, and that about wraps things up. God is strong, and he wants you to be wrong. He's strong. Now, this, this is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus that he's written all this information to, Ephesus, to the people at Ephesus, and, and then he kind of sums it up. Now, that about wraps it up. God is strong. So I want you to understand, God's strong. God is mighty. God is strong. And God wants you to be strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials. These aren't cheap, little cheapy things. These are the best materials. These are well-made weapons. Now, we usually think of this part of Ephesians as being the armor of God, you know? Now, listen to what this particular person does. This, this is the message, by the way, Jocelyn. This is the message. And so we're in Ephesians 6, starting with verse 10. He, uh, God provides well-made weapons. God provides weapons of the best material. And he wants us, he wants you to put them to use so that you will be able to stand up to everything that the devil can throw at you. Everything that Satan can imagine to throw at us, God wants us to stand up to fight it straight on with the best materials, the best craftsmanship of weapons that God can provide us. This is no afternoon athletic contest. This isn't for fun, people. This isn't something that just, oh, well, it's done now. This is something that we will walk away from, and it will be a life or death. It will be a life or death to the very finish. It's not a playground experience that we can leave when we get tired. It's not an afternoon event that we can forget about in a couple hours. This is a life or death battle. This is a life or death fight to the finish. And be very clear, the battle is to the forces of darkness. The battle is with the devil and all the devil's demons. Paul continues, I want you to be prepared because you are against far more than you can handle on your own. God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll be standing on your feet. 
So God has given you all the weapons. God has given you all the ways that when it's all over, when all the fighting, all the attacks of Satan, and all the demons are done, all of the life and death situations are done. We're still on our feet. We're still standing. And I want you to know, says Paul, that truth and righteousness and peace and faith and salvation are more than just words. They're more than just words. I want you to learn how to apply each of these. Learn how to apply truth and righteousness and peace and faith and salvation because you will need them throughout your entire life. Once you're a believer, you'll need these weapons. It doesn't cease. On and on and on, life and death battles. And then Paul continues. Now, you have these weapons, and God's word is indispensable as a weapon. The word of God, that is, the scriptures, are indispensable. God's word is indispensable. Include the indispensable word, the scriptures, as your weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential. Prayer is your weapon. Prayer is essential, absolutely necessary for the ongoing warfare. So the scripture, the prayer, the truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are essential weapons. Paul continues, pray hard and pray long. Pray for your sisters and your brothers. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind, that no one drops out. Our challenge then is not only to use the weapons against Satan, against the forces of evil, against the darkness. Our challenge is to support one another, to make sure the eyes remain open, to remain vigilant at what we're doing, to encourage each other to go on, to work, to go on, to be someone who is in a life and death fight to the end, no matter what, no matter what. And then the last one is another letter of Paul to one of the churches. This is in Colossians. And, and this one is Colossians and chapter 1. And we need to pay attention to this one. Uh, it goes like this, uh, one uh, down to verse 10. Uh, it goes like this. Um, Uh, ask God, ask God to give you wise minds. Ask God to give you spirit attuned to his will. And so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. So here we are. Um, in your prayers, says Paul, I want you to ask God for a sharp mind. Ask God for understanding of your thinking. Ask God, Lord, help me read and understand and pray and understand. Help my mind to function at its utmost as you created. And make sure that my spirit is attuned to the will of God. Make sure my mind is working and my spirit is following God. My spirit is centered in the Lord. 
and do that because I'm understanding scripture, I'm working on scripture, I'm reading scripture, and my spirit's centered in God, so that I can understand how God is working, how God works in lives, how God works in my life and those lives around me, what God has in mind, what God plans, and how he carries out his will. So that, so that you might understand how God works in your life, that you can do the work of God in your life. So study to understand how God works so that I can understand how I'm supposed to work for God in his will. We pray that you'll live well for the master. You'll make God, you'll make the master proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. And as you learn more and more about how God works, you will learn how to do your own work. And we pray that you'll have the strength to stick to all of this in the long haul. And I want you to know, says Paul, it's not by the grit of your teeth. It's not the grim that you have because of the strength you think you have. In other words, we can't do it on our own. It's not because you grit your teeth and just put up with it, or you go out and you're so strong that you can fight. It is because of the glorious strength, interesting work, work, uh, wording here in, in Greek. It is because of the glorious strength that God gives. So it's because of God's spirit. It's because of God giving us his strength, the glorious strength, the presence of God in our life. It's because of God, his strength, the strength of the Holy Spirit, not our own strength that we can stand tall, not of our own strength that we can finish this to the end, that we can work in the long haul, it is instead because of God's strength. It is the strength of God that endures the endurable. It is the strength of God that endures and actually spills over into having joy. It is the strength of God that allows the thanksgiving to the Father. The Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful and shining in eternal life that he has for us. An interesting work here, starting with Revelation, on the judgment of God for the unbelievers. What will occur, how it will occur. An understanding of throughout the New Testament of what God has in mind to be aware with our eyes, with our minds, with our hearts. This is not of God. This is of Satan. This is not of light. This is not of life and light. This is of death and darkness. This is not of God's will. This is human will or the will of Satan. Constantly, we are choosing. And then more than that, we are selected to do battle. We are given weapons. We're given tools. We're given a sharp mind. We're given a, a, a spirit that falls right in the center of where God would have us be. And God provides the strength. God provides the way. God provides what we need exactly when we need it for weapons against evils, wickedness, and darkness. That we might celebrate and have joy and thanksgiving and eternal life with God in his presence. Let us pray. God, you give us examples throughout scripture of you working in the lives of women, you working in the lives of men. 
Lord, help us encourage one another, support one another, edify, build up, and strengthen. Oh, Lord, as only you can in our lives through Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for this gathering. Lord, for the word scripture that we can understand and read. And uh, Lord, thank you for the word, your son, Jesus Christ, who dwells within our life. Lord, who counters all that is wicked. Ah, oh, Lord, we thank, give you thanksgiving and celebration and glory and honor. Jesus, praise his name forever. Amen. Uh, blessings, everyone. Uh, love you all.